Hello everyone, my name is Laura Lebo. Welcome to the very first episode of Shticks and Giggles. This is my new podcast, where Jews in comedy discuss Jews and comedy. Each episode, I will have a comic on the show, sometimes multiple comics. Those comics will also be Jews, and we'll discuss a specific topic around Jews in comedy. Sometimes the subjects will be broad, like today's subject, what is the modern Jew's place in comedy? Sometimes the subjects will be more specific. For example, how does the Jewish identity intersect with other identities in comedy? How do different generations see the Jewish comedic identity? Do American and Canadian Jews see comedy differently? Maybe an episode where it's my birthday and guests come on, maybe a family, friends, and they say what they like about me. This is episode one. I apologize for my voice if it sounds a little bit off. I'm just getting over COVID. I also apologize if you can hear a faint creaking noise. It's about the time of day where my next door neighbor does laundry out in the backyard. She hangs her wet clothes. And um, I, I am unsure what makes the, the creaking noise. I don't know if it's her door. Um, it might be the clothesline as she pushes things along the clothesline. The trouble is I can't um, stare at her to figure it out because neighbor staring was outlawed in 1943. Just kidding. Um, you can stare at your neighbor legally, but morally, it may be questionable, ethically, pervitutally. I'm always um, worried about coming off like a pervert. I'm always telling people that, like, oh, sorry, sorry if that seems pervy. But I believe it was the great Judith Butler who said, um, only perverts worry about coming off like perverts. Because I'm pretty sure that non-perverts just don't stress out about coming off like perverts. They just worry about, you know, taxes and childcare, hanging laundry, outlawing neighbor staring. You guys get the picture. Let me tell you a bit about today's episode. Today's episode features two friends of mine, two very funny Canadian Jewish men comics, Jacob Balshin and Howard Glassman. You may know Howard as Humble Howard of the Humble and Fred Morning Radio Show. He's also a Yuck Yucks comic, a comic I've worked with many times at Yucks. He's super funny. He's super talented. He's a great radio host. Honestly, I'd say he did a lot of the heavy lifting hosting-wise in today's episode. You will hear. My other lovely guest, Jacob Balshin. Jacob is one of the fastest rising stars in the Canadian comedy scene. You've heard him on CBC, Sirius XM. You've seen him shirtless around Toronto. And if you haven't seen him shirtless, I don't know what to tell you. Um, you probably live in Barrie or something. He is also so damn funny and such a lovely person. Both my guests today, just lovely men. On today's episode of Shticks and Giggles, our very first, Howard Jacob and I discuss the place of modern Jews in comedy. Amidst a landscape of so many diverse comedic voices, does the Jewish identity really stand out still? Do we have anything new to bring to the table comedically? How does our current place in comedy compare to our place in comedy generations ago? In essence, does anyone want to hear anything from us at all anymore? I don't have all the answers, but listen as Howard, Jacob, and I try and figure it out. Hi, Howard. Hi, Jacob. Laura, hi. How are you? Hi, Jacob. Hi, Laura. Hi, Jacob. Hi, Howard. Hi, Laura. Jacob Hi, and I and, and Laura, I, well, Jacob and I have done shows together. Laura, I saw you when you first sort of 
got, I don't know, not when you first started, but when you first started doing Yuck Yucks. Yeah. And uh, always thought you were great. And then one night you followed me and made fun of how old I was. And I was like, aw. <laughs> I did? I was, oh, what I'm, did I say? It was so funny because I'm such a, we're, comics are such babies. Like, I, you know, I had nothing but positive experiences. Then I was like, on the way home, I'm like, what did she mean by that? And I'm, oh, oh, no. What did I say? <laughs> Nothing. Just something. What, who knows what you said? You know what comics are like? We're sensitive, oh, big sucks. I feel like I like called you my uncle or something no, like no, that. No, you said because uh, I made I, I was emceeing or something. And I said I made I made a, I gave you a compliment and you said thanks, Dad. And I'm like oh, I'm, I'm not her dad. <laughs> oh, sorry, Dad. It's all right. It's all right. To be, honest, to be honest, all Jewish men are my dad. Like Jacob's my dad too, and he's pretty young. I gave Jacob $1,000 my first time I met Jake. Was it $1,000 you won that contest I hosted? 2500 baby. What? Wait, really? Rich. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, That's no. $1,000, I think, was second place or something. Yeah, it was a wild competition. <laughs> what? The, what who, who funded this? Like, big oil? I don't know. It, Jews. it felt like my parents Jews. made it up for me. <laughs> <laughs> It was a Jewish comedy competition, and I, I know, you know, Jacob, the reason I remembered a thousand is I remember thinking that the guy or person, the human being that came in second, that was still more than all of us were going to make for the gig, or any gig. That made no sense. No, Who it put it wild. on? Do you guys remember? Uh, Temple Sinai. Oh, that one. Didn't they do yeah. it again yeah. the next year, and then Simon won, and you hosted yes. Howard? I did host it. And I came yeah, in I second and definitely didn't get a thousand dollars. I think Just that saying. was the one during COVID. That's the one we right. did online. So the, the Jews got hit hard financially during <laughs> That's COVID. That's right. It was the Harvey hard. Atkins comedy competition. That's, That's what it was. Called. I should probably know the name because it's an honor to win. It is an honor, it is. Harvey. No, it I, is. truly was. His wife was there. She was so sweet. It was Aww. like an honor of this like old Jewish man who was like actually a successful like person within Hollywood. It's cool. Jacob, yeah. how how far into comedy were you at that point? I was like three years in, but I had just broken my leg and I wasn't able to like financially do anything. So it was like looking like my finances were dwindling and I'd have to move home. So it yeah. actually helped my career a lot. That's awesome. And you were only three great. years in. That's And that was only a couple of years very ago. Impressive. And it was a good lineup. It wasn't like a bunch of people that hadn't done it. Jacob beat out, I, I'm going to say, I, I think Ian Sirota was on that first show. Like there were some great comics. Uh, Jacob had a great set, and um, you know, and and they they put on a nice. Listen, the fact that they funded a bunch. Of, I don't know what they gave the entire. Like, imagine what that cost them for you know ten comedians. You guys, the twenty five hundred and a thousand for second. Like, it was a good night, and and good on them for promoting you know Jews inside the world of comedy. You know, because okay, so it's so hard done by. <laughs> well, this is a perfect segue because. Each episode, we're going to talk about like a, a theme under the larger theme of Jews and comedy. And we're keeping it real broad today. And I want to ask you guys about Jews' place in contemporary comedy. Because when when stand-up comedy was, was really starting, uh, Jews had like a massive place in the zeitgeist. And we were far overrepresented in comedy. And now... I don't know if you guys feel this way. I don't see as many Jews as, like, I would think, considering that Jews are known to be comics, at least in Canada. Um, and I don't, I think that's partly because we don't have anything new to say. 
that's my thinking about it. Like there's so many diverse and unique voices now that you really have to bring something interesting and new to the table um, if you want to get noticed. And I think that, you know, Jews have been around for a while in, in talking to people. I'm interested what to see. I, 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 let, let me, if you don't mind, let me answer second, because I'm interested in what Jacob and you have to say about it, because my perspective, having done stand-up now, you know, for the better part of a, a long time, it, I, you're right, Laura, I've seen it change, mm -hmm. but I'm just curious to what, what you guys have to say about it, because I came back to doing stand-up four or five years ago, you know, getting involved in Yuck Yucks and such, and, and I really did notice a shift in in just the sort of Jewishness of stand-up. But I'm wondering what it was like for uh, Jacob. Well, I mean, I've only done stand-up when I've done it, but uh, I like, I really enjoy the emphasis on diversity and like having new voices that represent cultures that haven't been represented in comedy. Like, I mean, Jews have been overrepresented mm -hmm. within comedy for how little there are of us. So it's like, not that surprising to me. I mean, if they do want to look for like a, you know, like a young, handsome Jewish guy and like give him all the festivals and stuff, uh, that'd be cool. You know, I don't know. You're all right with that. I know. A, I know a guy who. Uh... Yeah. It's but not. It's really like, I don't know. It's also funny because we actually can't see Jacob right now because his camera's off. Yeah. But I yeah. look hot. But he looks hot. He's handsome. Behind but I that. want all the old Jewish women listening to this to know I look sexy. I, you know what he's uh, bar yeah, mitzvah. I can confirm. Seriously, I got bar mitzvah at Temple Sinai. Did Full you? Full circle, baby. Yeah, and I won twenty five hundred dollars. All my my biggest financial gains <laughs> were at Temple Sinai in my life. That's right. That's right. Actually, he came second at his bar mitzvah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he came second uh, to Ian Sirota. It was a bit of a flip. Um, yeah, Ian Sirota just like pegged him with a ton of candy, and he went down. Ian took his place. He came and he read a better bar mitzvah portion That's right. than me. That's right. He, he said, today I am a real man because I'm 30. Um, I would tell you, you know, having started off in Western Canada, and there really wasn't much of a Jewish comedy scene. It wasn't until I came to Toronto and I met people like Simon Rakoff and Lou Eisen and Howard Buzzgang and, and, and a bunch of other Jewish comics. I had just, I grew up in a very non-Jewish you know, Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, really is as non-Hebrew as you can get. Um, I didn't, you know, what's that, Woody Allen? You know, we, we were very reformed. We were Nazis. Um, <laughs> but I, I didn't really understand. I didn't do any Jewish comedy, and I had never mm -hmm. been around Jewish comics. But I did quickly see that they dominated, you know, the late Lawrence uh, Morgenstern, you know, uh, what's this, uh, Larry Horowitz, and I could go on and on, you know, Mark Breslin. And it was kind of an eye-opener for me, and I, I thought it was kind of cool. Pardon me? Who? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but I didn't really, I wasn't steeped in the mm -hmm. Jewish comedy tradition. Yeah. And, didn't, and when I first did stand-up professionally in the 80s, I know it's a long time ago for you guys, but I was living in Los Angeles. I literally did nothing in my act about being Jewish. I had no jokes. I had no bits. It, it, it was, and I obviously, Howard Glassman, it was assumed I was Jewish, but I didn't, it was weird. I lived in Los Angeles and didn't do anything about being Canadian because no one knew any references and nothing about being Jewish. And it really wasn't until I came back and started doing stand-up again. I'd always done it, but about four or five years ago, I started doing it regularly again, which is where I met both of you. It was sort of the first time that I explored the idea of being Jewish in my act. And um, 
I found some, some interesting um, responses to it, and that's why I'm curious to you guys, when you do or if you do, what is the response usually from the audience, and what's the response, if there is any, from other comics? I, I, mean, I do the road a lot, so I'm like, I'm literally the first Jewish person a lot of people see, like in small towns, in their whole life. Uh-huh. And I find people don't know what they're allowed to laugh at. Right. Yeah. Like, they don't understand that by me talking about something, I've fully given them permission. Like, it can't be anti-Semitic, like it can be, but it's probably not. It's coming from someone who grew up very Jewish, Jewish background, everyone around them Jewish. I understand the nuance of what I'm talking about, but I don't think they do. Yeah, that that makes sense to me, that they don't feel, like, safe to laugh, even though you're giving them full permission. I've had that experience quite a bit on the road, but I've also had the opposite experience, um, where they think I'm giving them, like, full permission yes. to oh, yeah. I've had hop that on board. In yep. fact, I did a show on Oshawa recently, and I, start, I started talking about Jewish stereotypes and the audience thought, or I guess like one guy in particular, thought that I was inviting them to like pile on and just guess at other Jewish stereotypes. And people from the audience just started yelling like their least favorite things about Jews. And it, but everyone's laughing and having a good time and I'm laughing and having a good time. And like it, there was a levity to it, um, but it was very strange and very But there's a weirdness weird. to it too. And, there's a weirdness to it. Um, and then you have to imagine that, like, in that kind of space, other people from more marginalized groups uh, have the, are treated the same way. And how, like, it, this, this kind of actually brings me back to, like, what I was thinking about with Jews being overrepresented in comedy at least a while ago, and now it's a, it's a more diverse scene. I think that, like... I think the reason Jews were overrepresented for so long is because we had something different to say. We had been, like, oppressed just enough that we were funny, but we were white and are white and are palatable to racist right-wingers. Um, and I just wonder what it's like on the road in these places, places that we perform at where we are the only Jewish people people have met for people who are visible minorities. You know, no, no, for sure. And, and, um, you know, our struggle is real or Israel, our struggle is real. Uh, but struggle I'm going to tell you a, Palestine. a quick story because I've all, I've had what you've had with that where, where the audience is, seems to have a license to throw out even, even more anti-Semitic stuff, but I've had other comics. I won't say who, but you know, I, again, when I first came back four five, six years ago and I was doing some stuff in my act about being Jewish, this one comic I worked with three or four times over the course of a couple months, Gave me this weird compliment one night. I, I did really well. I came off stage. He goes, hey, great set. I said, thanks. He goes, yeah, it's the first time I've seen you, you know, uh, first time I've seen you where you didn't do all that Jew stuff. And I paused and I went, would you say that if I were Korean or black? Because that's the kind of I thing you'd like only would. Say. Yeah, you think he that, wouldn't? You know, I feel like that guy would. Yeah, yeah. that guy, whoever that guy is, he would. He would. Yeah, he probably guy, did. Um. But it's not, it was, a, it sort of took me back. I'm like, that's a weird thing. What a weird thing to say, number yeah. one. Number two, go fuck yourself, really, you know. Um, but it, it was weird to me because I'm like, I, I don't know that I would have gotten that reaction back in the early days of Eisen and Simon Rakoff, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but it seems to be okay now because of what you just said, Laura, that we're, you know, we're not seen as an oppressed minority anymore, even though, you know, in Canada, statistically, the biggest 
you know, I know you guys may have heard this, but the, the number one hate crimes are against Jews every year. We're number one. Yeah, but who's most likely to report a hate crime? Let's be honest. Yeah, that's just like a different version. Who's of most likely to complain yeah, about something happening? Service. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I'm sure and, there's some hate crimes like also, going unreported in some minority groups. Also, like as far as Jews are concerned, I feel like getting the wrong change is a hate crime. I just, yeah, bad you service know? is a hate crime. Yes, exactly. But and I just want to clarify. I don't think that it's not sure. I think partly it's that we're not considered an oppressed group, kind of. But I think it's also that, like, as much as on, on the whole, sure, there's definitely still some, like, wild anti-Semitism that goes on. On a day-to-day, I get to be white in a world that is racist. And that's how I operate. And if I choose not to tell people on st- when I'm on stage that I'm Jewish, yep. I'm good. I can get off scot-free, uh, no problem. I don't yeah. have to deal with any mm-hmm. bullshit. Yeah, that is maybe, just not You don't look privilege. like me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't have that privilege. I people know <laughs> oh I'm Jewish. God. Jacob, I think you'd be surprised. No, I think you'd be surprised. I don't even need to say it most of the time. Really, but I, even I, these people who have never met a Jew know that you're Jewish, or they just see yes. like Holocaust depictions of Jews and then they. No, I mean I look like propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't look good. It doesn't you know, look good. You say that because, because you know, the name Howard Glassman, you know, again, maybe if you're not, and I've done all, like, so I worked on the road across Canada for years in small towns, and believe me, I was like you, the first Jew they ever met. But again, I didn't really talk about it, and if you didn't connect Glassman with Hebrew, but I do this bit where I, you know, my the precursor, the setup, I, I say part of, I say, uh, do I look Jewish? Now, I, I, I'm assuming that half the crowd's going to say nothing, but I get such a reaction of yes. It almost <laughs> me back. I'm like, real easy now, Jew haters. Yeah, I almost feel like they're waiting for me to mention it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a joke about not looking Jewish, and I've actually stopped telling it because I used to, get, I used to be excited to tell that joke because I was like, everyone's going to just agree with me, and I'm going to remember that I'm a little goisha princess. And mm. then I told it a few times recently, and someone in the crowd, this was in Niagara, someone was like, I could tell you were Jew. And I said, yeah. why? And he said, the nose. And I was like, firstly, I haven't even turned inside profile yet. <laughs> and secondly, that's like... I, I just think, I, I think that's like retrospective Jew, Jew spotting. Like, I don't think he knew I was a Jew until I said something. My own ego mm. has decided. I don't find, like, whenever anyone knows I'm a Jew, it doesn't surprise me. Like, they literally found us all through that method. Like, it's like, you know? Yeah, like that's they, how you think all, they found us? We they, Yeah, we all look kind of similar. Yeah. And they were like, if you look like this, they're Jewish. Yeah, like, it's just like, we're pretty easy to spot. Like, that's how it happened. Yeah, that, okay, that's a, that is a fair point. That, that we, that maybe I'm overstating how much we get to fly under the radar. Oh, I, yeah. Yes, maybe, maybe I'm overstating it. But I still think there's a privilege to, uh, I mean, I know that there's a privilege no, to being absolutely. white, even as a Jew. Even as a no, I, I, I agree. And, and yeah, we get to fly under the radar, even though our names are Jacob, Howard. And, and again, Laura, you know, you, you may be, you know, more than us because that's not an obvious, you know, Jewish, you know, moniker. But, you know, I, I, I'm I guarantee you that when Jacob and I walk on stage, everyone there's like, you know, I even joke about it. Sometimes people go, oh, I think that's a I actually had somebody say, I think that's a Jewish is what they said. As I walked out. 
Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> we don't even know. I think he's a Jewish. I, I think there's a bigger That's question, though, and I don't know about you guys in your regular life, but I find that sometimes joking about being Jewish, even in my peer group of other old white men, it gives them the idea that it's okay for them to to say stuff to me. Like, you know, I could joke with you two about some Jewish, you know, bits, but it's because we're part of the same tribe. But I've had, you know, non-Jewish men, I, this one guy in particular, see me once out of context. He goes, hey, how's my favorite Jew boy? <laughs> <laughs> I said, first of all, fine. But secondly, you know, I don't, I don't know. Secondly, that don't call me a boy. <laughs> yeah, well, no. And I said to him, you know, I don't think that's really in play for you. And here's what he said. He goes, what are you talking about? You joke about it all the time. And I go, yeah, it's because I am a Jew boy. That's why I'm allowed to joke about it. You know, actually, I personally. What he said, Jew card all the time. Hmm. Okay, well, I mean, I personally, uh, once I'm on a certain level of friendship with someone and I make jokes at my own expense about any part of my identity, I I'm generally cool with you making jokes. As long sure. as they're jokes, as long as they're funny and they're not just like, I hate Jews, the Holocaust was fun. You know, like there's got to be yeah, a little a, something creative that's to tired it, right? Old bit. That tired old bit. Um, so I'm, I'm fine with people, for the most part... Uh, Making and you know what, Laura, I'm fine with people that I know that are friends of mine, but somebody that just hears me or, you know, thinks casually it's okay to say whatever. I, I, I still get a little bit like, wow, I, you know, I don't think we know each other well enough for you to make the Holocaust was fun jokes. Totally. So, okay, I have a question because I, I have also had people say to me um, either that I talk too much about being a Jew or like jokingly be like, we get it, you're Jewish. Do you guys think that people don't, especially other comics, don't like to constantly hear us talk about being Jewish, A, because they're jealous we have a really strong identity that we can talk about quite often, or B, more likely, the thing that we've been talking about, which is that Jews have been talking about being Jews in comedy on stage for a long time, and maybe we have, maybe the well has run dry. I don't know what it is. I did a show one time, and there was a comic. Like, the premise of the show is called, it's called Write Em Up. So there's comics on stage. They yeah, write up some comments about your set, and then they say it after. They're supposed to be, like, roasty jokes. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling, a like, a Jew joke. And I don't tell a lot of Jewish jokes. I go out of my way not to for the most part. I don't, like, know why, but I just don't think I've really figured out what I want to say about it yet. Yeah. And it's a bigger, larger thing that means a lot to me. Yes. So... I just told, like, a joke that mentioned I'm Jewish at some point in the joke. It's not a Jewish joke. Like, it's not about being Jewish. And the comment one of them wrote was like, oh, another Jew telling Jew jokes. And it was like, no. Like, no, but it also made me go, like, you can't even, like, talk about it. Like, yeah. the second you mention it, they're going, oh, he's doing that thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, especially because that's essentially equivalent to being, like, I'm a waiter in a restaurant like blah 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 joke about a restaurant it's like you're just mentioning as an aside a small part of who you are and that's already too much for for them which is what leads me to the third most likely answer which is just straight up anti-semitism just the classic um I, i'll answer it by saying that because i came to it's weird like Nothing I said in my act when I was your age doing stand-up had anything to do with Jews. It wasn't until I got yeah. older, and I did some stand-up prior to the last five years, but I started writing some stuff about being a Jewish and having a, 
you know, whatever the premises were. And I sometimes found that it divides, not divides the audience, but I've had, like I said, weird comics, weird comments from comics, or it's just almost like what you said, Laura, like, oh, here's another guy doing stuff about being Jewish. What, what, what new perspective can you bring to it? And I would counter that by saying the perspective for me is, you know, not really having a Jewish background and sort of discovering it later, not, not discovering being Jewish, but kind of mining it for comedy later, and then also the reactions that it gets. I, I find it very, uh, again, I've only ever been part of stand-up recently that, it, that, it, that there were Jewish comedy festivals or a Jewish comedy night or, you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. for me, I love doing those things that we talked about earlier because it's like, what a weird experience after all these years to just do stand-up with other Jews. Well, so we, first of all, I mean, the truth is that there's really like no uh, stone unturned at this point in terms of material for comedy. Like every subject has been touched upon and done to death. So there's always, there's always a way to make something fresh and interesting. The way to do it is to filter it through your own very unique perspective. Sure. So I'm curious about, so Howard, you did not grow up particularly Jewish or you didn't grow up in a Jewish community? Uh, I didn't. I, I was bar mitzvahed, but my community, by the time I was, I was literally, the, <laughs> I'm the last airbender. I'm the last person bar mitzvahed in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, 1973. So wow, I was my that's family. that's so cool, though. My family was somewhat observant, but by the time I was, you know, came online, I was, I tell you the truth, I, I should, I always felt a little bit like the only one. And I was like, you know, I had kids say weird, shitty things to me in school. I didn't have any Jewish friends. All I ever wanted was to celebrate Christmas. But it wasn't until later that I could start joking about it because I'm being honest with you. In childhood, it was just at the time in your life when you want to fit the most in, I fit the least in a couple times a year, you know, Christmas, Mm -hmm. Easter, school, when all the decorations were going up. It's not like now both of my children, you know, where everyone's included now. Yeah. You know, even the little Jewish babies. <laughs> so, but, and then Jacob, you grew up pretty Jewish, at least like in a, in like a, a secular rabbi. way. Complete opposite. Yeah. Complete Thornhill, opposite. Hill, everyone's Jewish. If anything, people should make a concerted effort to make friends who aren't Jewish because it's very insular, that community. Oh, yeah. I had the exact same experience as you, Jacob, Forest Hill instead of Thornhill, where like, it a was... bit richer over here, eh? <laughs> yeah, just, just a couple extra bucks downtown. Oh, okay. I see oh, okay. that flexing. I have the Someone m- knew Drake. I have the money to drive to Thornhill. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Oh, wait. Okay. Um, but it was, like, an important thing to me, like, like as f- far back as I could remember, to be sure that I knew non-Jews. You know, I went, I went to a very Christian school, I will say, and I actually found that when I went to... a very Christian school. I talked way more about being Jewish than when I stopped going to that school and went to Forest Hill. And then it became a no- the norm and I didn't talk so much about it, which is why I'm interested by the fact that, Howard, you do talk about being Jewish on stage more than Jacob does, yep. right? Well, I think that's because it's so uninteresting to me that I'm Jewish because it's everyone around me was Jewish and I don't see what's funny about yeah, it. Yeah, that's a great point. It's like, it's no. I no one around me finds the fact that I'm Jewish funny. They find that to be annoying because they're the same and we all look the same. And I no one was attractive growing up because we all were the same. <laughs> no, Everyone wore root sweatpants. 
Um, I think maybe it, it was because it was so unusual. Some, and I found some humor in the, the fact that I was a guy from the prairies that was learning about Judaism and, you know, some of the bits that I do. I actually, the only one in my family, I married a Jewish girl, um, no longer married, but, you know, like I've got little Jewish kids and we did some Jewish, I mean, more traditional Jewish stuff than observant. Uh, although I think it's interesting you went to a Christian school. Isn't there, that's probably the Jewiest thing you can do. Who's Jewier than Jesus? Um, <laughs> But I, I, I think it's interesting that Jacob doesn't talk about it, yet you, I could see maybe as you get older, using that experience in your act, once you, because I think you've, I admire both of your acts, I've said that, and, and I think for you, Jacob, once maybe you are more established later, you know, maybe you'll look at, back at some of the stuff that happened to you growing up that won't just be about you being a Jewish comic, because you already have been established as a comedian. I have a musical comedy album about Judaism I'm working on. <laughs> yeah. Every Jew has a music. I am. That's no Jacob, are you, are you a musician? Can you, like, play an instrument? No, not a single instrument, but I have an album I've written. All it's called acapella. Bar yeah. It's, it's good. Fuck yeah. Okay, Jacob, tell me if this resonates. I... I mean, I do talk about being Jewish a lot on stage. Honestly, out of laziness. I have so many Jewish jokes that just pop into my head every day. Um, and yeah. I write them down and it's fun for me. But I think for a while, I, I, I mean, even still, I avoid talking about it in any kind of like storytelling way. Um, the same way I don't talk about like my, my relationship with my mother, some of my mental illnesses, uh, basically things that feel so huge to me, like such integral parts of who I am that even six years in, I just like don't know. It feels too important to not pay really high service to it. And so I avoid talking about certain things like seriously or in a very storytelling way, including my Judaism, because I haven't mapped it out yet. Like I don't understand mm -hmm. it yet. Yeah, I feel very similar where it's uh, you process everything as you're writing and you get older. And yeah, it's, just, it's hard to fully process that part of who you are. Um, but also, like, I think um, people of different, like, ethnicities, um, their, their comedy hasn't been mined as much. So maybe they're, like, more enticed towards, like, premises that are, like, it's probably a bit easier when everything hasn't been, like, pulled off the tree, you know? Totally. Like, it probably, you come up with something as a Jew, and then you're like, oh, Seinfeld did it. And then you're like, okay. Yeah. But, uh, well, so I it's, it, I just feel about. like... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, wait, Jacob, go on. I don't know. Personally, I only write about my life. So yeah. whatever's going on in my life that's prevalent at the moment, I'll be writing about. So if something with Judaism happens, maybe it's as I've gotten older, I've grown from it. Like, I don't have as many Jewish friends. Mm -hmm. I don't go to synagogue. I I don't practice as much. I just go to dinners, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's it might just make sense that it's my immediate experiences have nothing to do with it at the moment. Right. Yeah, I was going to say but about... about you know, again, back to my point about one day, you know, later in your life, you might look at it in a, in a different way as you will, you know, everything. That's why it's, it's the old classic thing about, you know, oh, that guy, all he talks about is his kids or all she talks about is his kids. And as comics, once you have kids, of course, that's what you start talking about, because as you said, it's in your life. It's personal. It's something you mind for jokes. I have a question. Um, because I've, I've, there's certain jokes I don't do very often anymore about being Jewish in my act because, and there are a couple of my favorite jokes, but they're just, it's one of those things where it just makes the audience uncomfortable or 
you know, I've done this, I've done these jokes in a Jewish setting, and either it does really well or it makes people uncomfortable. And for a while there, Is I was that doing the joke it where just you whip your dick out. That's the one that people love. That makes me uncomfortable too. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. People like that one. <laughs> yeah, that's one that, that divides the room. They're like, I really, I'm a, I, I thought it was going to be better. Yeah, um, when you got off, I was like doing the Jew jokes again. <laughs> <I see. laughs> just but to be very clear, they- Howard is a lovely man who doesn't yes. do anything creepy. Who doesn't whip out his dick on stage mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. a variety of reasons. <laughs> but if he did, it'd be uncut. Go oh, on. that's right. Go that's on. my A Jew from the prairies, not uncut. Um, yeah, there's just certain things that you know I've done them, done these, you know, done jokes, and, and and part of it is what you guys said early on. It's like sometimes you'll do stuff, and the audience is almost offended for you, but you're the one doing the joke. It's okay. okay. Yeah, I, I often will say that. I'll be like, "Hey, I'm missing my foreskin. Like, I get to do this. You, guys, <laughs> you gotta, right. you gotta give this to me." Yeah, it's, that is one of the most frustrating experiences as a comic is is uh, talking about something that you've processed enough to be willing to joke about it. I uh, a few years ago, I, without getting into a whole thing, I ended up in the hospital and like the the story's a little tiny bit dark, but I started talking about it pretty quickly because I had jokes. I had jokes, and honestly, they're good jokes. And by getting up and telling them, it, it, that was me being like, I processed it. I'm fine. Just get on board with me. Um, and then yeah. I have to remember that, like, they haven't processed it. Like, they haven't, they weren't there for the initial experience. This is all new to them. Um, they need a minute to to get where I'm at, you know? And I guess it's sort of the same thing with talking about being Jewish. Is it's it's new to them. They don't know if they're allowed to laugh yet, you know? But it is very well, especially now. Yeah. Uh, especially now, then I'm not saying I don't, I'm not doing the oh, the audiences are so woke. But audience are definitely more discerning. You can get away with less than you could years ago. Because I mean, I think about some of the stuff I saw other comics do, things I said myself that I would never say now. Crowd works different. The way your sensitivities are different. Etc. Pulled out his dick and it was in blackface. The dick thing doesn't work like it once. <laughs> they used to close on that. And there's the penis. Yeah, you had black face on his dick. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, black. I dick. actually feel. I actually feel differently, which is that. Okay, actually, let me let me just speak for Toronto. Um, I I find in Toronto, um, the audiences are more discerning and sensitive in terms of they will not allow somebody from one uh, group to punch down or or mock a group that is not their own like they're not there for it but audiences in toronto are super down for you to talk about your own group your own marginalized group or your own whatever identity like they're into it um i for the most part i've definitely seen that not pan out but like i like that audiences in toronto will laugh at a black comic doing jokes about being black that might make other people uncomfortable or other audiences uncomfortable but they won't tolerate it, uh, you know, if you're punching down or, like, not talking about your own people. I think it depends on the room that you're in here. But, yeah, I mean, I just think I've seen a, a definitely an evolution of people's sensitivities changing. I, again, I'm, more for us, you know, again, I, I don't see a lot of people, you know, not allowing a black comedian or a, a Asian comedian. They don't seem to... They, they don't get as offended for them. For some reason, I don't know what it is with Jews that we... You know, you start making Holocaust jokes and people get very uptight. 
I... It's because we're the ones who report the most. <laughs> we're the ones going, we're the most persecuted. And then we're also up there being like, what? Like making jokes. And they're like, wait, what? These are the ones I'm not That's supposed so to laugh funny, at. That's so funny, Jacob. That's so true. All day during the week, Monday to Friday, we're like, don't talk about the juice. Leave us alone. Don't make fun of us. It's just, and on Friday, Saturday, we're and like, I'm like, you know what's jokes. weird? Jews. <laughs> yeah. It's, but I, I, I love it. I love how anti-Semitism sort of doesn't get talked about, but it's always there, you know, that trucker convoy. It's like, you know, the upside down Canadian flag and the Nazi flag. And it's almost like, you know, we want, you know, we're against the mandates. And Jews. It's always yeah. somehow they, they can always pigeonhole, you know, some kind of hatred. We do get credited with all a lot. Jews to wear masks. <laughs> right. Cover your nose. We don't care who's. They got to cover those things. Yeah. Cover the, My cover favorite the bottom face. All these people walking around with the yellow stars comparing the mask mandate to the Holocaust is like, uh, oh, no. God. You My think God. they gave us masks back then? Are you crazy? <laughs> You think they? I think we would have survived a few more. Some masks? Yeah, that's it. The Germans were like, "All we want you guys to do is wear a mask." Six million. People. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and actually, can you guys distance? Yeah, you stand just, just from us. Coming. You guys stay close to each other, but distance. <laughs> that's right. Distance from yeah, us, that, please. That's right. I'm a hol- I'm a Holocaust denier. I deny that it was really. It was just about masks. It was just about masks. We, we, it is like Hitler had really how much harsh mask mandates. Really <laughs> harsh right. mask mandates in Nazi Germany. <laughs> Germany I, had no pan, you know, pandemic. It was the those, those people wearing uh, <laughs> Jewish stars are like honestly impressively outrageous. Like, oh yeah, I'm like you know, it's like crazy that you don't know anything about the Holocaust or the pandemic. Like you've that's like there's right. this is that's too large. <laughs> events that like are in every <laughs> history like, book and you like blocked out both that. yeah but yeah. you but you know that, that jfk jr is going to come back soon that's what you know but wait going back to what you're saying before i i love that there's increased sensitivity in the audience i think it's like Me amazing too. for comedy Me too. i think it only makes you better uh-huh. like i think right now my struggle is that i'm finding it hard to get into certain aspects of being jewish but that's just like that's on me as a comic to figure out like what it is I have to say to like break down those walls that are stopping me from being funny. Totally, man. I I went to a show in LA recently just just to watch a show, and this com- oh Miss Big Deal over here. Oh Miss Big Deal, it's ten dollars to get in to see a show, and um, the comic on stage I won't say who, but he was like just doing I would say cheap jokes like they they were just like boring and cheap kind of like slightly homophobic but not even that homophobic just like boring boring jokes cheap and the audience wasn't laughing and he lost it on this one girl in particular who looked bored and he was like kind of ranting at her about being overly sensitive and this and that and in my head i because i probably looked bored too i was just far enough away that i didn't get the same treatment as her i was like honestly she probably just sometimes audiences don't laugh not because they're sitting there like Oh, I'm fucking offended and I I'm so I love it. Like I feel so good to be offended. They're just bored. They've heard it before or it's just not that interesting or it's just cheap. Like the increased sensitivity is not necessarily just like hundreds of triggered Gen Zers, but just people who are like, "Nah, do better. Like ramp it no, up. I want to hear get, something new." That, that reaction, that reaction of attacking the audience when it's not working for you is really one of my least favorite things about stand up. Cuz I when I see it, first of all, I, 
listen, if you're tanking, you're tanking. We've all done it. We've all bombed. And if you're bombing, it's not the audience's fault. And, and to attack them for not being, you know, to being too woke or not being down with your material is literally the cheapest form of, you know, whatever, because you're now, and I, I know I, you can see why he does it or they do it because it's like, well, this isn't working. Maybe, maybe me yelling at somebody will get a reaction, any reaction. But it really, talk about lazy. That is super lazy. Yeah, and I Just can't insecurity. relate to it. Like, I can't relate to it. I'm never mad when that happens. You guys get mad when that happens? Or do you feel, like, um, kind of bummed? I feel sort of sad, frustrated, but not mad. I learned, I learned, I, like, I, I will say this before Jacob, I was say, I learned, one of the no, first sorry. lessons I learned early on was when it's your fault and when it's their fault. Because if everyone is right. killing and you're not, it's you. But if the whole night, you know, Listen, we can describe any number of one-nighters we've all done where the room is set up wrong and there's no lights on the stage and you're yelling into a microphone that doesn't work. Well, that's bombing like that doesn't bother me at all because it's like, right. whatever. Totally. This shit worked two nights ago and it always works. But yeah, when, when something doesn't go well, and I'm so insecure. I, 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 I for sure look to me, uh, but I've never liked that where the comic turns on the audience. I've always felt that was just the worst thing. Because it's like they just—they, you're not—it's not their fault, dude. They paid money to come yeah. see you, make them laugh, and you didn't. How is that their fault? Yeah, I think that disconnect is why they suck. Like, yeah. if you don't have the ability to like discern that an audience is there and they're trying to enjoy their night, and you are not providing that for them, and like you've offended them or you're not doing well. And like you think that's their fault, and like all you think about is you. You don't even like think about like eighty people to like fifty, whatever amount of people are like paying and sitting there and like giving you a moment of their time. Like they're gonna die one day, and they're literally giving you time from their life, and you're sucking it up and doing nothing with it, and you're mad at them. like it's weird. That's yeah, such well, an it's awesome way of putting it. Yeah, it's so egocentric. Like however many people got ready, left their homes, wanted to enjoy themselves, wanted to. Mm -hmm. They, there's, they have stake in enjoying themselves, right? They took time off, they got a babysitter, whatever. And yeah, just to be only thinking about yourself in that moment, that's like a really interesting well, way to what, what you said too, Jacob, about not being connected because, you know, for me, I, I can tell you, my best nights on stage are when I feel the most present in the room. Where I, and I can tell, I know about you guys, but I can tell when I walk out, the first couple of minutes, if I feel like I'm in the room, you know, like, oh, yeah. uh -huh. you know, that feeling of like, I don't think I'm here yet. And what I've learned to do is I can tell that disconnected feeling is I, that's when I really hone in on somebody and I really try and make contact with one person just because what that does for me is it brings me into that space because the audience can smell when you're just either you're not comfortable with the material or you're not selling it for whatever reason. They smell that. And sometimes it can just be, for me at least, just making getting more connected, that's my job, is to make the connection. Your job isn't to make the connection. I'm there to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It can be really hard to form, like, a human connection in comedy because you're, you're, a lot of people go up and they're just saying jokes. They don't really stop to acknowledge the people. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Is, it, I, I can get it. I mean, I think um, the, you can also sort of get, go through phases like that. Where like, mm -hmm. for, I've definitely gone through phases where I'm going through the motions. I'm doing fine, but like months at a time where I'm just going through the motions on stage and I'm not present. And I find that if I either ask to host more or do host more and yep. do a new joke each 
I just throw even one new joke into a set that I've done a million times. I'm automatically more present because I haven't done the joke yet. And, and I have to just like take an extra second to think and not just like rote, be rotely going through my jokes. Um, and then I can like feel alive again on stage. That feels so much better yeah, than I was doing gonna well, say, you know, but, what I, what, but being bored. For a while there, if you're doing like I was doing a lot of sets in a row, you know, day after day. And then I then I host. And then when I host, I feel like that's a chance to get reconnected because, yeah, I'm going to do some material, but I'm not going to rush to get to it. And I'm going to try and make a connection first with people, welcome them, get them all excited in the room. And then I'm going to do some stand up. But first, I'm going to make a connection. And it always it's a great it, it's a it's a great sort of reset for your stand up. Yeah. For sure. I always try and talk before I start my material. Yeah. I try and just like see whatever comes out. Jacob, you're so present when you perform. It like honestly scares me a little bit. Like I just want to be very in the moment. Yeah, you are. And then when I watch you, I, like I, when I'm projecting myself onto onto the stage in that moment, I'm like, damn, that's brave. I don't no, know if it's brave, I mean, but I'm like definitely very calm. Perform. I just think, why is he so Jewish? You haven't seen me recently. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the, why isn't his face covered up? I feel like up? I've gotten much better. Why is his face yeah. covered up in I feel like I used to do jokes. Why is his face out? <laughs> just kidding. Everyone's very <laughs> handsome here. I used to just do joke, like just uh, very formulaic, like joke, joke, joke. But uh, I really enjoy talking. And the more you do it, like I, I have found that the more I, more I practice just chilling being on stage, mm -hmm. having a conversation, doing crowd work that I have not at all planned. Like you do get more comfort, comfortable over time. You do. A hundred percent. Well, I also think it engages your brain a different way. You know, I, I'm, I'm similar. Even when I do my act, I feel like, okay, I've been introduced, but I am now here to MC my own slot. So in order to do that, I have to, I just, just sort of do that. I force myself to like almost pretend I'm hosting, except now I'm just hosting this spot for me so that before I start telling you my bits, I want to kind of get a feeling like, hey, are we both here? Do you, I recognize you. You see me. I'm here. And, and, and almost like this conversation starts. And before they know it, oh, here's some material. Oh, from our... Do you know what the um, best moment is? What? Is when you you've bombed all your crowd work and then you have to transition into the material <laughs> and it's so obvious you did it. It's so obvious. Yeah. It's so obvious you like you just fully pivot turn. You like turn your back to the audience, <laughs> take a minute, and you're like, here I am. <laughs> so you guys fly recently? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But I was gonna I was on a plane. It, it's the worst is when your crowd work is doing great and then you start transitioning oh, yeah. the material. Uh, yeah. Robin Williams years ago had a very great line because he was doing a bunch of improv, um, some of which I'm sure he stole, but he was doing it. And then he, his, he famously <laughs> said, I hate to go back to my act now. It seems so boring. But sometimes when you're killing doing crowd work, it's like, shit, how do I start pigeonholing stuff I know I'm going to say into this? For sure. And also you can you never carry over that like truly organic authenticity of crowd work. Yeah. Like even if you're the best actor in the world, which there are some comics who are great actors and so then they can really make that you know planned material feel as organic as the crowd work but generally speaking it's not possible to do that's i think that's what i like though is because when you do like really written material it's really hard to tell if it's you at the end of the day because yeah. you've written it and said it so much but it's like if i'm saying something in the moment that's like as me as it gets hell yeah that's so true yeah there's jokes i still tell that i have to 
sometimes I'll be on stage and I'll be like, oh, right. These aren't just like syllables that I say. This is mm-hmm. like something I found funny or interesting at one point. Oh, yeah. Well, 400 you know? times like, ago. So detached. So detached. You but don't I even remember. You ever have someone say something about a joke and you don't even remember that's like a subject you talk about? Totally. Yeah. But, totally. but I was going to say also that's part of the trick, you know, the, the magic trick of doing it. And I don't think, I don't know how much audiences understand that you've said those words hundreds of times. And the trick is to say them as though you've discovered that notion for the first time. And that really is, as you know, from doing road work or doing five shows in a weekend in Niagara, you're like, by the time that Saturday night show comes, you're like, I hate this. I hate, <laughs> I hate, yeah. I hate having to say these things again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And then you're like doing the second show of the night. You think you've said most of them. Oh yeah. That's the other thing is like, did I do this already? I've, I've had oh, that God. experience many times. Yeah. I, I did the Niagara week, weekend recently. And for the late show, I was like, I'm just going to mix it up, like start with something I never start with. Oh, and I did, no. and I and then you don't know tanked what told. it. It was bad. It was like the worst setup. <laughs> it's it a funny bad. room, that one, because the first show, the like Thursday, Fridays are great. Saturday first show is great, but that Saturday night show in Niagara is a bit it's of a slog. Weird. It's a slog. And, and in general, the crowds, because they're not local, it's like, you yeah. can't peg them down. Like, they're from all over. The politics are all over. Like, you don't know what you're getting. It's such a mishmash. Uh, but I will say Niagara loves loves the Jew. They love the Jew. I mm. do well with Jew stuff in Niagara. Mm. Cool. That's good to know. Yeah, you guys head over to Niagara. You'll be safe. Safe passage <laughs> in case you need to go. Do all your... <laughs> That's interesting. How, how about stuff? Like, I, I do you do anything, Laura, that you've had Jews come up to you after and go, meh? Wasn't really big on that, Laura. That is such a good question. I actually did another podcast for the CJN recently, just like I did a little appearance. And um, one of the hosts was saying she's just she's just not a fan of any Holocaust joke. Like, she just doesn't think there's a, a way to make it funny. And, like, I, that's not something I feel, but that's not a position I can be like, that's fucked up. Like, for, for sure. Fair. If you don't like yeah. Holocaust jokes, Jewish person, no problem. I get that. But no, I've not had Jews come up to me and complain about about anything. I don't really talk anymore about anything super controversial. I talk honestly mostly about having Jewish tits more than like anything mm. else. Um, and Cutting so mostly edge. what I get now are Jewish women coming. Oh, you're taking in. Howard's bit. I'm taking Howard's out. big, big <laughs> Come Jew on, that's my bit. my new opener. My Jewish <laughs> when he whips his tits out, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I mostly get Jewish women being coming up to me after shows being like, look, and like showing me that they have a, a, a Jewish set. A, a Jewish a set. Jewish set <laughs> um, what about you guys though? Have you guys had Jews complain to you about your sets? My, my most annoying complaint came from a Jewish person who like, I did like a CBC taping and then they left like this really long ranty message on one of my like Facebook posts. It was just like not even like it was so weird. I could read it. It literally reads like unintelligible. Like it's crazy. Oh, they were mad that I told some joke about Jewish people killing Jesus. I don't really know. Mm -hmm. I don't really care. I don't care if I offend you at any point in time. If you're like like I almost didn't do this podcast because I figure someone will complain about me. Uh, But I don't really care anymore. You gotta not really yourself, give a Jacob. shit. No, no well, one's no one's listening to this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Well, no one scares me more than old Jewish people. Literally. <laughs> but Jacob, that's because no that's because that's who we grew up around. Like like the people that reprimanded us or gave us shit or judged us were all older Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I just picture some like old person in a synagogue shaking their head at me as I like disturb the entire congregation. <laughs> as their teeth rattle in their mouths. Yeah. Just, I, I kind of what, what Laura said though about if somebody like I I do some stuff in my act about the Holocaust and having a German best friend and going to Germany and having somebody try I had to get off a plane and get on another plane and they they had like 20 of us go from the you know get off the plane and then go running down this hall and then we go around a corner and there's a guy motioning us to get on a train to go to the next terminal and I'm like fool me once Germans you know I'm not getting on the fucking train but they're splitting you into two groups <laughs> that's right so and, I, and I had that thought. it seems like I, the guy's waving us onto the tram I'm like not a, not another time I've seen this movie before but I um so if somebody's offended by that by any mention of the Holocaust sometimes it's just the mention of it is enough and that's that's fair I again I going back full circle I find sometimes non-jews seem offended for us even though we're the ones saying the material. I mean, the worst I've had is, you know, a Jewish woman said to me once, oh, I know you, you're one of those self-hating Jews. I said, no, no, I'm a Jew-hating Jew. I'm, I'm fine with myself. <laughs> no, no, I'm Christian. <laughs> you're the problem. Yeah, you're, I'm, I'm cool. It's the Jews I don't like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you hear how you're talking right now? <laughs> uh, you're a, I know you, you're a self-hating Jew. I'm like, easy now, Maury. All right, well, then to wrap this up, just to quickly come back to the subject at hand, is there a, a place for Jews in comedy in 2022? I would say, in my opinion, there's a place for everyone in comedy in 2022. That's what's exciting. And I think there's a place for these Jews in comedy, these three Jews in the room. Uh, it's just about bringing something fresh and being like as authentic as possible. Well, I think you said it best. All the best to you, too. I am always uh, love uh, catching up with both of you, and I'm a big fan of both of your uh, material and your act. And I, uh, you know, maybe it's Laura, it's, you know, there should be, and you should win the competition next time. Jacob will be there. And uh, thanks for it's having me. It's going to be called the Jacob Alshin Memorial Comedy Competition. <laughs> and the, all the money just comes from that two grand you won like five years ago. <laughs> just like yeah, you win like 50 bucks. Well, Howard, Jacob, I, you guys are both so awesome and so lovely and so funny, and it was just a pleasure to chat with you, Jews. Thanks for having me, Laura. Thanks, Jews. Great talking. Mazel toast. Mazel toast.